one of the things that I noticed with in my own life and with people that I work with a lot of times is that somebody would be doing amazing. It could be months when they're at their worst two months after two months of developing really healthy habits, their worst is better than they would have been on their best day three months before that. Hello, friend, and welcome to episode 37 of the Feeling Full podcast. If you're a long-time listener, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate you. And if you're a new listener, big welcome to you. It's really great to have you here. I'm Mordechai, an entrepreneur and coach who struggled with being overweight for nearly two decades. But since 2012, I've lost 130 pounds and I've kept it off. Today, I'm speaking with one of my closest friends, Mark Krasner. Often, Mark and I get into these awesome, deep conversations, and I wish after we had pressed the record button. Finally, we decided it's time we're going to press record and have one of those conversations for everyone to hear. Mark founded a company called Expectful, which is a meditation and sleep app for fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood. Mark loves helping people find ways to step into their greatness. He coaches executives and all-around people who are committed to living their truth. In this episode, Mark shares the importance of understanding and feeling the emotions that are driving your decisions. He shares three ways to help understand emotions and how you are reacting to them so you can manage the emotion more effectively. If you've lost weight before and after hitting your weight goal, you seem to start to backpedal and start to gain weight, know that you're not alone. I know how crazy this sounds, but it's easier to lose weight, in my opinion, than it is to maintain the weight that you lose. In our conversation today, I share how I've created what I call my agreements, kind of like a human user manual. This helps me stay on track and plan for failure. In the past, years ago, when I had to go on diets, i lose a bunch of weight. And sometimes after hitting a goal, Weeks or months can go by after slipping up before I got back on track. My plan really helps me stay on track, and these agreements are really helpful for me, and maybe they'll be helpful for you too to get you back on track when those moments come up. I also share some of the ways I plan to overeat in a way which feels aligned, so nothing ever feels off limits completely. And it feels a little weird to share this about how I actually indulge in some of the foods that I really love, but it's the best I've got so far, and it's really been working for me. I'm calling this episode Conversations with Friends since it's not a typical interview. Initially, Mark and I planned on having a short conversation, but once we got the ball rolling, it was, it was quite hard to stop. And if you're someone who wants a coach in your corner that cares about your dreams as much as you do, you can contact Mark. His information is in the show notes. And lastly, before we get started, it would mean a whole lot to me if you take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast. Not only will this ensure you never miss an episode, but you'll also greatly help with the growth of the show. Alrighty, thanks for joining and let's jump right in. I'm so happy that we're doing this. It's been, uh, it's been a long time that I've wanted to have a conversation with you and record it. You know what? Um, there have been a lot of conversations that we've had that I wish we recorded. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the one we were having on Friday. We were actually, just to give a little context of of why um, we're having this conversation, I, just a couple of days ago, um, I was talking with Mark and um, Mark was sharing. So Mark, just to give a little background before I get into what Mark was sharing, M- Mark is a super close friend, um, very close. Not You know, friend isn't actually a good word for our relationship. I would say, uh, brother, hmm. A brother, even brother is weird. I feel like we're born like a bromance. Bromance situation kind of feels legit, you know? Bromance. Soul brothers, brother from another mother. I guess we're just a lot of things to each other. Yeah. Our friendship's deep. Just to put it in perspective for everybody, if this sums it up, um, I got married about two months ago, and there were a total of six attendees at the wedding. It was uh, my wife, her parents, and her sister, and my parents, and Mordechai. Hopefully that gives you a picture. Yeah. 
for close. What a beautiful ceremony. Hmm. So Mark is a, um, amongst many things, um, entrepreneur, but also executive coach. I don't know, executive coach is a weird word. Performance a coach? Term. Performance? I don't know. I haven't no. found the right terminology for this. I thought actualization of fulfillment coach. Um, I don't know. Like I, I work with people to uh, give them clarity in their lives and create really like disproportionately large results in people's lives for the amount of time that we spend together um, to create greater, greater levels of fulfillment, prosperity, um, and prosperity in every sense of the word, word, you know, it's not, I, I believe that if somebody has a lot of money, they're not successful. They're just rich. That's actually a line from, a someone I love a thought leader named Jesse Itzler. Um, but I really work with people to bring them success in all areas of their life. And it's something I'm very passionate about. I think a big passion of yours on top of all that is people that are working towards a big mission, big purpose, trying to make, yeah. have a powerful impact in the world. Those are the people that, I mean, you work with a wide variety of, of, of great, of great people. And I think mm -hmm. people who want to have the, the, the big impact, the ones that really light you up. hundred mm -hmm. percent. It's not even just the big impact, to be honest with you. All right. It's people that are like living their truth. Mm. Yeah. living their truth. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's running a billion dollar organization. In fact, I'd be less lit up by the person who wants to make the next billion dollars than I would be the meaningless billion dollars than I would be by somebody who wants to make a shift in their lives to step into their authenticity and to step into their greatness. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good way to put it. Someone that wants to step into the greatness. I think, yeah, I think living, living their truth. And I think I'm with that, you know, everyone's got problems, no matter how much, how aligned, how authentic they are, what kind of company, what kind of organization saving the world mm -hmm. from whatever problem, whatever they're doing, everyone's got problems. And, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things we, we speak about is um, food stuff because everyone, everyone's, you know, we're always eating, right? We're always, everyone's got to eat a few meals a day. Food is everywhere. And um, <laughs> back to where this all started, I guess. <laughs> is the the conversation we were having yeah well maybe i should share because i called okay. you with this question right we were okay. on the phone and then i was like i brought this forward and yeah so the question that i have that i still don't have the answer to but it will be a really fun exploration hopefully between the two of us here is um i've worked with a lot of clients who i've gotten to shift in some really powerful ways into living a life that's so much more aligned for them that um, brings greater levels of fulfillment and joy. And a lot of that has to do with their habits and their rituals, right? So um, getting good sleep, uh, having a certain diet, exercising, meditating, things of that nature. And what I'll find is, is that a lot of times, um, you know, people, uh, people are being fueled by a high level of motivation, but a lot of times suddenly they can feel they can go too far into all their rituals and things like that. And then it could start to feel really rigid and, uh, like something that's just, um, difficult for them that they're almost fighting. They want to do it, but they're also fighting against it. And so I, I called you the other day, just saying, how do you reconcile that? You know, what do you do about this push and pull where you help somebody find this alignment in their lives, but then ultimately it could create a misalignment for them down the line. And was it specific? It was specific around food, people's um, people, or was it in general accountability? It's really just in general, but I know that you specialize in food, Got it. right? Got so it. you know, it's really you know, food and everything surrounding food, really wellness, taking care of yourself, rituals, things of that nature. Yeah, I think you know, it's about the idea of like being gentle with ourselves, um, and it's something that I think we both deal with in our own lives, with our own, you know, how do we 
stay on track with the meditation, the visualizations, the journaling, and all the things we want to do to have uh, a, a, a healthy life, right? To make sure that we're we're balancing ourselves out, and as well, how do we um, also have some sort of ease and flow? And like when mm-hmm. I think about this in like a dieting term, and um, I I, th- I think we started talking about s- s- um, a client or some of your clients. I don't we didn't discuss names, but some some people that were struggling with the idea of like once they hit like a certain level of like where they're doing or where they're at with like feeling good about their weight or their food, they start to find themselves backpedaling. I think it's less a point somebody hits, and I think it's the amount of time somebody does it for. You know, where they can feel maybe like. Um, doing all these things can sometimes get in the way of connection with other people. Cause if you're really having like watching the food that you eat and then you sit down to a big meal with friends, I think it can feel confining for some people, you know, or if you have a certain cutoff about when you eat dinner, so you can sleep well and you give, you give your body time to digest. It might feel like maybe you lose connection with other people or you're appearing too rigid, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things come to mind of that, that have really, have really helped me in my life, um, which is the idea of like having a, a user manual, like a human user manual, like a, I call it the agreements, right? Like my personal agreements. And it's something that I think it's so funny because we're always eating, but very few people actually think about like, all right, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. In other areas of our life, we have those things when it comes to relationships, you know, business or the way we spend our money. We think about this is what I do. This is what I don't do. A lot of us, not all of us, but I think it's more common. And with food, we like to have, we like to be more flow because like you said, if you have a social gathering, you want to be able to enjoy it with your friends, family, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you don't want to feel constricted. And the idea of a of a of a, of a agreement has really helped me over the years. Um, I heard I once heard who's the author who's who has a book called "I'll Teach You to Be Rich." Ramit. Um, Ramit, Ramit Sethi, is that? Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so he, Ramit talks about the idea of like I think it's him. He talks about the idea of a like when he like when he's he's all about money, how how to spend money and how to live a a, a balanced life in terms of like budgeting and and what you spend on and is it is it is it, are those the right things? And he talks about the idea. I heard him talk about the idea. It's like when I fly, this is what I do. Like you know, I'll buy X seat. I'll you know, I treat myself this way. I stay in these amount of ho- these types of hotels. I'm willing to spend on this on the in this area of my life. But in other areas of his life, maybe when it comes to buying physical gifts, I don't remember making this part up. But I won't spend money on those things. I just don't value them as much. And there's like a, there was a trade off. But he knew how he operated because he knew what made him feel good. What made him feel proud, essentially, of himself, the way he wanted mm-hmm. to live his life, what was important to him. Some people want extra legroom. Some people want coach, business class, whatever it is, but everyone's got their thing. So for me, it's like when I think about my food plan, my user manual, right, my roadmap, you know, it's 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 constantly evolving, right? So it may be very easy in the beginning, but like my, you know, flying business class may be like drink 100 ounces of water a day right? Drink that. That's like the number one thing. This way, it's like, I got that down. That's in my, that's in my personal agreements of what I do, because I know the impact something so simple like that will have, or start Mm -hmm. every day with a walk, right? That's another thing that goes into the agreements. Or when you go out to eat at a restaurant, you know, if it's past seven o'clock, you know, eat a meal before. So you're only, you're not so hungry. So you go to the restaurant with your friends, but you're eating a salad because you're not that hungry or more socially eating. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all these mm-hmm. agreements that I've I, that I've come to in my own personal manual. And when it gets really rigid, I can change them. Right. 
So the idea of creating a manual just keeps you on track. And when things start to feel really rigid and when things start to feel too, too much, you can loosen the, loosen the grip, so to speak, and be like, oh, so when the last time I went out to eat, you know, it felt um, I was too restricted because I only ate a salad. So I want to change that time, for example, or I find myself eating out a lot. So I want to, you know, add something else into the, into it. Right. And right, I th- right. So you're, are you saying that you're constant? Is it like you set, you sort of set your baseline, which is what I do with a lot of my clients, but then you're also constantly looking at your baseline and seeing where it might be misaligned for you and making adjustments so that it's, you're constantly altering it to sort of fit more into what aligns with your goals in life and what feels good to you. Yeah. It's a living document. So it's like, the, so, yeah. so, so, and, and that can get a little tricky for people because like, when do you change this document when you're feeling like you want your, you know, you're craving pizza. So it's like, Oh, I'm eat pizza every day. You know, <laughs> that, that, you, you don't want to change it when you're feeling triggered, but you mm-hmm. want to change it when you're feeling really stress, really stress-free, relaxed, when you're feeling like really like, you know, in those moments when you're feeling like, like you would feel probably after like a really deep meditation. Mm-hmm. You want to do it in those moments when you're operating from your highest self. Mm. And then you can say, okay, well, I'm going to try. Maybe you have some things that don't change and you have some things that do change, like your three or four standard basics that you do. Maybe meditate, journal, walk, drink water, eat one salad a day, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. then you have things that are more social because life ebbs and flows, right? You're, you know, you're in a relationship, out of relationship. You're, you know, you're, you're traveling a lot. You know, you're, you know, have a child. Like there's, there's so many things that are going to happen. There's got to be some sort of fluidity in the way that you treat the document. Maybe if you change mm-hmm. it once a month, you revisit it. You know, I tried that for a little while too. I think we discussed that once or twice mm-hmm. or more times. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're creating the system with flow inside of it. You know, you're constantly editing it so you can have greater ease in your life. So when moments come up, you can really you're never, you're, you never want your system to work against you. It sounds like. Right. Exactly. Cause that's when, it, that's when people start to feel rigidity in my experience. Cause I felt that mm-hmm. for sure. I felt rigidity. You know, there was a point where I created this, um, you know, it very well, my 48 hour rule, right? The 48 hour mm-hmm. where within 48 hours, I can plan whatever meal, whatever food I want to eat. And as long as it's planned within 48 hours in advance, I can, I can have it whether it's on my program, whether it's on my agreements or not, but if it's like a 48 hour wild card, you know, you're playing Uno, you have the wild card, you can do whatever you want. And I, I, I realized that like, that was great. Like it was really good to have that because that gave me the freedom that I couldn't, everything wasn't off limits now. So it gave me the, the spaciousness that I can go along my life the way I want to, knowing that if I really wanted something, I could plan it 48 hours in advance. And the reason I put that, if you're listening, you're like, wow, why did he create that? The reason is because a lot of times when you make really emotional food choices, it's because you're feeling triggered right now and you want something right now. But if you really, truly want it and it's not coming from an emotional place, great. I think it's great to have it. But I think plan it out in 48 hours. That to me was like the healthy benchmark. But just I realized that wasn't actually serving me. The 48-hour rule, because I would go out eat too much during those 48 hours and I didn't feel good. I physically didn't feel good. So mm-hmm. it's like something that I'm actively... Yeah, go ahead. But you did that for years, right? Before you, you realize yeah. you're like, oh, this isn't working for me, which I think is so interesting. You know, it worked for you for a while, but that doesn't mean that, you, you know, it's a permanent thing right? It's something that worked for you. And then it didn't, right? And then it sounds like once you realize it didn't, instead of feeling enslaved to the commitment, you made a conscious choice from a more grounded, clear place about how you might change it to find more alignment, which I'd love to hear what it is you did. 
Yeah. So, 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 so I did that for years and it was great. But what I, what I, what I, what I realized was that I want to feel good more off. Like I, I want to feel like that feeling that I, when I would eat that way, it would cost me like three to four days to just feel back to baseline, you know? And I'm like, this is unnecessary. Like I don't need to punish myself with all this food because I'm giving myself this opportunity. So, 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 um, one thing I realized was, and I keep realizing the lesson I continue to learn is to right that the power of from being bad or good, changing the narrative from being bad or good or right or wrong to how you want to feel, like what makes you feel proud, like you mm. would say, probably living in alignment. Yes. So what makes me feel proud of myself? Not when I'm like hung over from eating too many chips. I don't feel proud of myself in those moments. I don't want to feel like that. It's less about, you know, I think one of the biggest problems um, um, the weight loss industry um, um, is responsible for is focusing so much on our weight. And often people have this narrative in their mind, I used to weigh, you know, 146. And, I'm, and I, that was the best days of my life because I looked so damn good. And now today I weigh 166. And until I lose those 20 pounds, I'm not in a good place. But meanwhile, the way you got to 146 in the first place was by, you know, doing unhealthy things and punishing yourself and like forcing yourself to eat kale every day and, and drink lemon juice. Well, lemon juice is good, but like, you know, I get the idea. It's like you, 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 were, you were doing things that weren't healthy. And now you, in your mind, you created this like benchmark that can't be met with you being happy. And that until you hit that, you're not doing, you're not in a good place. So that's why I really encourage people to ask themselves, A, how do you want to feel? And how does this food make you feel? And B, do you feel proud of yourself? Like, are you proud of the person you are when you eat X, fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's less about the rule and the rigidity. And it's like, what makes me feel proud? What makes me feel proud is doing my rituals. What makes me feel proud is my routines. Mm. It sounds like you're really, I mean, you definitely speak to this in a lot of your podcasts, but it sounds like you're really, when you do things, you're making sure that you're doing them for you, not for someone else. I try to. Yeah, I try to. So tell me, what was the thing that you see? So you moved from the 48 hour role to what? Yeah. So I moved to, before I share that, actually, there's one quote by James Clear, um, which I want to share. It's because this agreement thing may sound crazy to you. And if you're listening and I get it, but so James Clare, Atomic Habits, he's been on that. You've, you, you heard his episode on the podcast, hopefully. If not, go back to episode, what was it? Tw um, 33, I believe. Yeah, 33. Um, great, a lot of great weight loss tips in there about habits. But James Clare is this author on creating positive habits. And he has this quote, never expect to fail, but always plan for it. The fastest way to get back on track is to have a plan for when you're off it. Hmm. It's like your plan to fail, right? He said, never expect to fail, but always plan for it. It's like life is going to happen. Of course, there's going to be things that throw you off kilter, right? You have to, if you, if you plan for it, that is the best way to not have those three months going by where you're eating like crap. Because if you have a plan for when you, when, when you slip up and fall, right, then you're going to be able to get back on track really quickly. And, well, and you know. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, finish. Your and and I was gonna say, I was gonna say, there's less space. There's less space between the 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 fall or the off track to on track. The reason why people find themselves gaining 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds is because of the space, the time from going off whatever they said they were going to be on to getting back on the thing. So if three months go by, and the, to get back on the ride was too many steps to climb, so to speak. 
then essentially it's hard to get back on the ride. My whole thing is make it really easy to get back on the ride. Like if you binge and you eat like a way that you're not proud of and you eat a lot of food and or eat the wrong foods and you're not feeling good, the next day, the natural thing to do is to want to hit the gym really hard. Work out really hard. Go to gym, work out, eat super clean, go on the craziest diet, whatever it is. Fill in the blank for you. That's the wrong approach because that approach will work for a day or a week, but you're punishing yourself for what you just did. My whole thing is, and it happens to me, if I eat off my own agreements, I'm like, next day I wake up, I'm like, all right, what what did we learn? Can we go for a walk? Can we drink some water? I'll intentionally not go for intense workouts. I'll be like, no gym, just go for a walk cook a nice breakfast. Even if you're not even hungry, just make it keep, just keep, keep the train on the tracks, but don't get like all crazy because once you get all crazy, that's just the other side of the spectrum. Okay. So you binge and now you're an extreme dieter and then you binge and now you're working out every single day for two hours. It's just unhealthy relationship to the whole thing. So it's the, the ease that we talk about. And that's the comment I meant earlier on in the conversation when we have these conversations a lot is because we both also experience the rigidity and the, the craving for more ease in our lives. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, this makes me think of a few things. One is, is you know, in my own life and working with others, whenever there's something that I want to do, instead of trying to do a million things, I look for one thing that I could do consistently. Right. Um, right now, it's writing for ten minutes. I want to write a lot. Right. Right now, it's I write for ten minutes a day. You know, what's the one thing I could do that doesn't feel so cumbersome? Right. Because I know that if I'm saying, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna write for an hour and a half every single day zero to 60, right? There's a really good chance that I'll do that for a few weeks and then I'll totally drop off because it's so hard to maintain. But writing for 10 minutes a day, I actually have a shot at building that habit, right? And it being aligned. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm creating that. So I'm not fighting against it. It's actually really aligned with what I want to do and it feels good. Um, and then the second thing is I thought there was so much wisdom in what you said on our call about how you judge success for people. Do you remember what you said? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Can you say, cause I think that's yeah. so, so relevant and I, I'd love to share something that came up for me based on that, but please. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that. Um, that, so in the past, I think I looked at my own weight loss as like, you know, if I'm at my lowest weight or close to it or looking a certain way, that means I'm successful. And if I'm not, if I'm 10 pounds heavy, if I'm 10 pounds away from the lowest weight I've been, I'm a failure because I'm not at the low, I'm not, I'm not at my top of my mountain, so to speak, right? But these days, after many years of like trying to work through all this shit, is I now think about how much space has gone between this time that I've binged or ate in a way I'm not proud of or to the next time. So if a month goes by and I ate really good and worked out and I'm really proud of all my food choices, I'm feeling really empowered and healthy. I don't, I don't, I'm like, all right, so it happened. I'm like, great. Last time it happened was a month ago, but I'm paying more attention. Even happened, like, even if it happened once a week, at least, I, and I'm like, oh, wow, I can, I can connect that to like, um, I just moved to a new place. I just moved to a new city. So if I move to a new city, then of course, there's going to be a lot of changes and it only happened once a week. Great. Like, so it's like, it's really paying attention to how much time goes on between the, 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 um, what do we call those events? Uh, what's that? Events, not a great word. I don't like the word events. What's the uh, yeah, times, times where you, you're not showing up the way you want. There we go. That's a gentle, you know, Mark, where it's... Mark, bring the, Mark, Mark, Mark brings the gentleness to this. <laughs> yeah. And I really think that there was so much wisdom in that. And what, one of the things that I noticed with, in my own life and with people that I work with a lot of times is that 
somebody would be doing amazing. It could be months. And then suddenly they go a little bit off the tracks. But what's amazing is, is that they're new, they're off the tracks a few months later, they have a much higher bottom. The place that when they start to feel bad about the way that they're showing up, it's usually they're feeling bad about a, a place that they're in. They're, when they're at their worst two months, after two months of developing really healthy habits, their worst is better than they would have been on their best day three months before that. Is that making sense? I don't know if I put that right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I, I mean, think, I think you've, you mentioned this to me before, you know, if I go through a, what was the gentle way of putting it? Uh, showing up the way. Uh, I, right. So if I wasn't showing up the way I wanted to around food and yeah. well, let's call it a binge for short. Um, and I'm like, Mark, stuffing like, your face with Krispy Kremes and uh, <laughs> Big Macs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I, <laughs> and I'm calling you up my, like, Hey Mark, does that mean like, you're like, okay. And, and I think this probably evolved from a lot of the conversations we've had. Um, and we are like, all right, well, think about how far you've come. Like, think about the way you eat today. Like now a binge for me. Can well, be we were before this, what was yeah. a binge before? Like, you know, five oh. years ago, what would one of your binges look like? Oof. Definitely some, definitely some ice cream. Definitely uh, some ice cream. Um, usually, usually at least some, yeah, when I say some, I'd probably be like, I used, I used to, I'm taking myself back four or five years, California, ordering two pints of ice cream from the ice cream store. Okay. An amazing Two pints of what flavor? Ooh, I don't want to get my brain to go there, but like, I think cookies and cream and probably chocolate. Okay. Two, two pints of ice cream, cookies and At cream least. And, and that was the start. If I was still okay. feeling craving afterwards, yeah. I would call a restaurant. I, would, I was at a healthy place already. So this is like, you know, artisan ice cream. It's not like, you know, it's not Ben and Jerry. It's not that it's much different, but it's definitely made with, you know, less right. less crap in it it's still cleaner but still no that's not let's not defend myself here. <laughs> let me not defend myself it's so it sounds pounds. like even five years ago you already have a higher you had a higher bottom than you had 10 years ago right so looking back seven eight years ago it was definitely yeah. you know shit was off the rails we're talking egg rolls fries you know chicken wings anything anything i can get from a deli in in brooklyn you know that was kind what's of the like, quantity what's the quantity it was a lot mean? it was a lot I don't know the quantities. I don't think like my quantities were actually like crazy because I also liked variety. So if I was going to have all of that, there's probably, you know, there's, right. there's definitely multiple dishes. But um, also I didn't have a lot. Of, I didn't have any agreements. So if I had that, I can al always order more two hours later. There was nothing. And so without the agreements, that's why I love the James Clear quote, because without the agreements, I was I was able to just continue to do the, do this behavior, take this do this behavior. I was able to binge the next day. I wake up the next day and I'm like, ah, I'm out of the mood. I didn't have the idea of being gentle and going for a walk. I was like, no, eat cookies. Like, as you're off, once you're off the diet, once you're off the program, I was like, all right, this can go on for two, three weeks before I rein it in and be like, all right, dude, you got to get back on this. You gain 10 pounds. You know, it's like I was eating in ways I wasn't proud of for much longer periods of time. Now to answer your question, a binge can be like, you know, a bunch of frozen blueberries and some nuts. Right. That's your binge. And so what happens is, is your, your bottom got so much higher, right? So when you're, you're hitting, so oftentimes that's one of the things that I've found too, is like, sometimes something will happen with me or a client where they're not operating at their best or the way that they want to. And they're really bummed out about it. But then it's like, wait a second, you know, your bottom here is so much higher. You look how far you've come when you're getting to this point. You know, and I really love that being your definition of success, the amount of time, but also look at the new bottom you've established for your oh, wow. life, right? Wow. Look at, look at where your standards have risen to, to the point that 
you're getting to, you're getting to a place now where you eat too many nuts and blueberries that you're dissatisfied with yourself. That's a really, that's a really beautiful way of, um, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And I think, um, hmm. you know, the thing that comes to mind when I think about this is like, when, when, when somebody overeats, what essentially are they doing? Right. They're, 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 they're numbing whatever feelings they feel, right. They're, you're, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling something, whether it's joy or sadness, you know, you're numbing whatever, whatever feeling that is. So if you're going to numb the feeling, why not, why not buy the cheapest gas? Like, why are you overpaying? Like, if you're going to put, if you're going to do something to your body, it's not, like, it's really all you want to do is you want to stop the feeling of whatever you're feeling. If you're really paying attention, I think, and maybe it's not for always, and maybe it's not for everybody. So this is, I don't want to be like certain with what I'm, uh, I'm saying here, but for me and my experience and all the people I've coached and a lot of people I've spoken to, you feel something uncomfortable, um, that you have a hard time processing and you want to eat to, to either celebrate, to, to, to numb. And if you're going to numb, why not numb with, with food that is a little healthier? Yes, it's great to get the craziest food, but if you're not trying to, if you see when you're letting yourself off the rails completely, it makes sense to go, you know, get the whipped cream and cookies out and to do all those things that you, everything that your heart desires and craves. Right. But if you're just, if you can, if, if you just want to, if you don't, if you know that tomorrow is a new day, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to set yourself up for failure or punish yourself in that way. That's why I think this is how the 48 hour rule came into play and it's something I've realized. And when I eat nuts and blueberries, essentially I have the same problem as if I eat like, you know, a bunch of donuts and, and, and hamburgers and, and or what you're fixing. You don't have the same problem. You're fixing the same problem, right? You're just doing it with different, different you, means. Yeah. Right. But what I'm saying what I mean by this, by fixing the same problem is like, it's a feeling that I have a hard time processing. Yes. No, no, no. Totally. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's yeah, like, it's I'm like, okay. it's like, okay, call the therapist or call the coach or call whatever it is. It's like, okay, when, when I overeat now, it's just an alert. It's like a red light. It's like those sirens that go off in a building when someone like breaks in or something like that. I forget to put the keypad in the alarm, you know, the siren goes on. It's like, all right, you got something to work on here. Something's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I want to, I wanted to shift for a second. because I know your food has also changed a lot since I've known you, you know, close to seven years ago, maybe even more. You were eating real quick. If I can, there's something I wanted to say about that because it's like, you know, there's another aspect to this and it's, it's, yeah, if you're feeling like you want to numb and you made the decision to, then I think what you're saying is so wise that if you're going to numb with something, numb with, numb with the best quality food you possibly can. Right nuts and blueberries. There's a lot of wisdom in that, but I also think that there's such a power in, you know, if there's a step before that and feeling your feelings, right. Mm -hmm. What are those emotions that are arising and really taking the time to feel. So I, I, I found like a lot of times in my own life and with clients that I'm working with, if they're starting to go off the rails, if they're not, if they're starting to not feel great about the way they show up before I even say, all right, let's get back on track. Right okay, what are you feeling? What's going on here in your life that made you want to reach for that, right? Where do those feelings live inside your body? What can you do to really access them? Because I found so much of the time that that's sort of the, you know, people are reaching for food or doing things that are unhealthy for them because there's something going on that's deeper. And a lot of times it's not necessarily thinking too much about it, but unlocking those feelings and getting somebody to feel sadness, you know, research shows that people can't feel an intense feeling in their body for more than 90 seconds before it passes. It could come again in a wave, 
right? But if I'm able to work with somebody or in myself and find this deep place of emotional resonance, then a lot of times all the pressure that I had on myself to eat a food that was unhealthy or do something that just wasn't good for me or numb in some way, that that sort of valve gets released because I'm meeting it in a really healthy way by being with the emotion. Yeah, I think that's... um... That's um, well said. Yeah, I, th- I, I, th- I think about the feeling thing quite a bit as well. And if I was struggling, well, I do struggle still, but if someone listening is like, hey, well, I don't want, you know, the, when you give, when you decide that you want to eat something, you want to, like the, the, the child in you, the version of you that said that you're going to eat the fill in the blank pizza, you're going to, you're going to go. Like you want it, you don't want anything to stop you. Like, like, for example, in my situation, I know I can call Mark if I have like, if I'm feeling really triggered, I'm, I, I, my first phone call should just be Mark to help. Mark will help me feel my feelings often and go through this process that we're talking about, right? So having someone that you can call is actually not number uno, like a really important thing to do just to have someone to help you talk about or feel whatever you're feeling. But often I'll catch myself not even wanting to call Mark because I just want to eat. I don't want to feel my feelings. And it's, it takes a little bit of extra awareness to be like, all right, I'm still going to, and here's the trick. Okay. This is it. If you, if you, if you ever think this, that you don't want to stop, you just want to, you don't want anybody to stop you. You just want the thing that you want and you don't want anybody to stop you. This is the trick. You ready? Tell yourself after you feel your feelings. Or don't feel your feelings by eating food. What's that you're saying? Or don't feel your feelings. If you're, if you're eating a lot of food, you're not feeling your feelings. Right. No? So, so I'm saying it's a, I'm in the inner dialogue in your mind, say to yourself, okay, I'm going to try oh. to feel my feelings. Oh, I see. I see. And yeah. I'm going and, and after I feel them for, you said 90 seconds, that's, that's, that's courageous. <laughs> I'm just saying even to scratch the surface, just feel your feelings at all if you can. But if you can do 90 seconds, God bless you. Tell yourself, I will be able to eat whatever I want to eat. So if you set your eyes on, you know, a couple donuts. I love the way I'm switching up donuts and pizza and ice cream, keeping all, all the things I love. Um, but like, if you, but if you think about like, you can still have it, like you're not going to punish your, this, the, the, the feeling your feelings isn't a punishment to stop you. It's a tool that will allow you to enjoy the donuts more intentionally. So instead of eating them really quickly to numb, you're going to eat them a little slower. And you know what? If that happens, it's okay. I always say with all techniques to stop yourself from doing the thing that you don't want to do that doesn't make you feel proud, it's okay to eat after them, but at least try to get in the reps of doing those things that may not work this time, but will eventually start to work. Mm. Any tips for people on how to feel their feelings if they're going to try? You know, some, for some people, you know, they spend their whole lives from neck up, you know, it could be hard personally. It was a long time for me before I was able to really intentionally go and even notice what was going on and really be in touch with my emotions. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I would say you're a jujitsu at this. Well, I would love to hear from you. Like, how do you, cause you, you, you do this feeling, feeling, I mean, I wouldn't say food is your thing, but like in other areas you feel you, you have this tool of feeling your feelings in your life. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say you've been doing that work longer than I have. So I'm curious, like what kind of, what, what's your process for doing that? Yeah. I mean, so the first thing is, I think for me is naming the emotion. What's, what's going on here. And there's a few just primary emotions. And, and typically there's really only three emotions that you'd be feeling if you're thinking about binging, um, which would be probably sadness, anger, or fear. 
and there could be combinations and different names, but any name of an emotion you have that's negative would be some kind of combination between sadness, anger, and fear. So the first step is naming it. The naming it's so powerful. When you name things that um, are negative, it actually starts to reduce the weight because it separates you from them. And I, uh, paradoxically, when you name things that are joyful, it enhances the joy, which is pretty cool how that works. But um, the first step is really just naming it, getting it to I feel this, right? You, you get some space from it when you name, when you look inside of yourself and you find the emotion that you're, that you're feeling. And then the next step, I think, is to really just see where that emotion lives inside your body, right? So just tapping in and saying, okay, well, you know, if I'm, I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling angry right now, right? Okay, well, where is that anger inside you? Can you feel it? Can you get a felt sense of it? And then, you know, giving, you know, if, if that were me, I would give myself permission. I'd say, okay, I'm feeling anger. And I'd give myself permission to tap into the feeling in my body and think as little as possible, but just feel as much as possible, right? So I'd imagine my consciousness going and sort of moving into whatever the feeling was and really welcoming it and encouraging it. So it has a lot of space because typically as humans, what we do when something feels uncomfortable, we, we constrict, uh, we, we contract, right? We try to keep it down or avoid feeling it, right? And oftentimes that keeps it stuck or can calcify into a shitty mood, right? And so I found that when I really give myself permission to, instead of avoid it, I do just the opposite, welcome it in and go and really sit with it and be with the feeling and allow it to have space a lot of times it begins to unlock and there's actually, I find like a lot of wisdom there, right? These things I find have a lot to teach me. Sometimes when I really sit with anger and I allow it to move through me all the way, sometimes oh, there's a next right action that becomes very clear to me, mm. right? Something that I, I could do that would, would be helpful in my life. And, um, you know, there are lots of techniques to work with emotions. One of them. And another thing I do is I check, does this anger have an age? Does this, does this anger seem familiar from another time in my life? It does it have a color? Does it have a size or shape or other questions that I might ask? But really, it's, I think naming and being with the, the, the felt sense of the emotion in the body, I find is really a powerful way to do it. And then I'd also say movement, right? We can be so stagnant in our life. And again, we can contract and we can constrict around emotions. So when, when feeling something, really allowing yourself the ability to embody whatever it is you're feeling. So if it's angry, what does the anger want to do? How does it want to express itself through you? Right. Is it, do you want to bang on your chest or yell into a pillow or, you know, swing your arms around or, you know, make some kind of noise, right. If it's sadness, you know, what's, what's the body posture that you want to get into sort of move with the sadness inside of you would be another suggestion. So I'd say name, feel, and also move with the emotion are, are three things that I feel like could be really helpful for people that are feeling challenged or, or considering maybe numbing out as an alternative. Yeah. And the thing that comes to mind is like making it okay. Like I love, I, I love this process and make, and, 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 um, and maybe you touched on this, but like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, normalizing the emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, so you're sad today. So you have to muscle over it and be happy today. Cause you were happy yesterday and you had a great day yesterday. It's like, no, today, today you're sad. But right now you're sad or you're experiencing sadness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Our culture, I think, teaches us. It's certainly been my ed education to try to psych myself into a different feeling or like you were saying, make, make myself wrong for the feeling. And the more I just give myself permission, 
to feel the sadness. It's so paradoxical. It's kind of like a, a finger trap, right? But the more I give myself over to the sadness, <laughs> the faster that I could feel joyful, clear. I'm curious if you can if you can share a time that you recently have done this work, or not recently, any time you've done this work, how it actually played out in your life. Mm. Can you think of a time that I was emo- feeling something emotional with you that like that you've been around me? Because you'd be you'd probably be in on it with me. Mm, good question. Time when you were feeling emotional that you felt your feelings. Gosh, I'm drawing blanks there. Mm. I mean, I could think of one when we were, you know, a few weeks ago in Colorado, when you were feeling emotions. Maybe that could be helpful. I don't know if you want to share here. Trying to remember the circle with John. Right. Sure. Turn it back on me, man. <laughs> Classic interviewer here. Um, just to give a little context. So me, Mark, and seven other men were in Colorado on a retreat. We have this men's group that we meet every Monday night. The group has been going on for three and a half years now, I think. Mm-hmm. I've been part of it for two years. Mark's been part of it for, for from, from the beginning. This is the exact work we do, actually, is like feeling our feelings. And like someone will come to the group often with some sort of feeling and there'll be a story associated with the feeling and and it's okay to share a little bit of story to get into the feeling but then the guys in the group are going to push us to feel whatever we're feeling and it's very uncomfortable and and there's always the emotions get expressed but it's better than getting suppressed right mm-hmm. we were on this retreat in Colorado and there was a, a facilitator on the retreat John who was um, helping us process our emotions John O'Connor, who's a who's a, a incredible teacher in the space, um, incredible coach, incredible teacher. He led us through like a fifteen minute meditation, and then, of course, he turns to me first and says, "Mordechai, what are you feeling?" I was angsty. I was not feeling good. I was just whatever it was. I think I probably ate too much dinner. Uh, <laughs> pretty. It happens when I travel. My situation is different. Sometimes it was all healthy food, just too much too much food. And I responded like, "I feel like I feel like my stomach is just like." pushing out. Like I feel this uncomfortable feeling sensation in my stomach. I was just talking about like how, when I eat too much, especially now after having the extra skin removed and the surgery from, from my weight loss, sometimes I feel it more than before. Like, you know, when you eat too much, you can feel like a lot of pressure in your stomach. So I was feeling, I was feeling it even more intensely because of the operation. And I'm like, I just feel like these, like I'm bulging out of me, like the stitches and I'm making this up. Obviously nothing was really happening on a physical level. That's why I felt. And he helped me tap into this emotion where I felt very constricted. I was feeling very constricted emotionally. And the thing that came out was the idea of just letting go. You know, I spoke about this in the podcast before, how like letting go has been something that I've wanted for a long time, just to feel more free, feel more fully expressed, and just to let go and not to care so much. And something I try to practice on this podcast, back to the conversation with John, John was like, all right, you want to feel like you want to, you want to let go. Was that what you were talking about? And then I, yeah. And then he helped me just like, he's like, all right, you got to let go. And I just had to get up and start moving around and like singing or whatever I was doing just to completely let go and not care. And these are my brothers. I mean, we meet, I meet with these guys every single week. I mean, we have deep conversations and, and process a lot of emotions. And it's a, it's a really powerful container that we share. And now, yeah, so I got to practice that and it felt really good. And I think it's like another layer of like breaking through or breaking through it and be the best term, but like leaning into this idea of like letting go and feeling more self-expressed and just feeling more of myself. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it all started when you were feeling uncomfortable and John asked you to feel into the discomfort. Ah, right. 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 Feel into that. 
right? What's going on? Well, I feel, yeah, I think you were agitated, angry, something like, okay, where's the feeling in your body? Okay. Right in my stomach. I feel this constriction. Okay. Let's go into that. Let's move. What's that trying to say? Let's welcome that part of you. Right. And through that and, and feeling the discomfort and going into it, you came out the other side and then there was all this freedom and play and self-expression there. And it was, you know, you lit up the whole room when you stepped into that, but the only way that you could be there, if John just said, Hey, feel this, you know, go feel joyful, be self-expressed or whatever. And he didn't address the challenging feelings that you were experiencing and invite you to welcome them and feel them and understand them and learn from them. We'd have never got to the other part, right. Created this humongous opening, but it really was you feeling your feelings, you know, and so beautiful and so courageous. And it's amazing. We felt so connected in that moment. Yeah. Thanks for saying all that. It's a really important piece. It's a really important piece. The idea of like, instead of overriding your emotion, which is so, especially with self-help and like all the books that are out there now around self-help and like improving yourself, a lot of it's like taking control of your mind. And we've spoken about this before because we're, we're such, we're very we much- We were there. Yeah. We, that's what we did. We're like, I think you yeah. stopped me. You're like, Morty, you're just an expert at like changing your- what you feel, what you believe. And then you're like, you override the emotion. And I think you told me this a year or two ago, actually. And I remember, I think we're talking about Gay Hendrix or something. And I was like, yeah, I just got to change the, you know, whatever. I don't remember what I was saying, whatever it was. You were like, I think you're just too much into your overriding. I think we, and I was really, I was, I was really, it was actually, hit, I remember it because of the stand-up moment, because of how true it was and how much I disagreed with it at the time. Like not, didn't want mm. to, didn't, didn't, didn't really want to be like, oh yeah, that's actually kind of true. I was like, no, what do you mean? I'm doing exactly what's right, what all these books are saying to do, you know? Right, yeah. Every negative thought, think of three positive ones and- Gratitude you know. more, write down more gratitude. You're not, being, you're, not focused right. on, you're not focused on what you do have. You're focused on what you don't have. Right, yeah. I, you can't fo focus on anything. So you feel, man, things that got to move through. Otherwise, you're just pushing it down. It's so crazy. Sorry, it sounded like you were going to say something there. No, no, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you're pointing to something that, and that's where we were. And honestly, that was better than we were. We probably were maybe 15 years, maybe before that we were in victim mentality. Right. Totally. So I don't know about you, but I think I'm, I might've moved from like making everybody around me wrong to being like, oh, I'm going to self-author this. I'm going to feel the way I want to feel. I'm going to show up the way I want to show up. And that took me to a certain place in my life. And then at some point the evolution became, oh, I'm going to be with what is, and I'm going to allow greater flow and authenticity in my life. Authenticity also became a greater priority for me. And connection did too. And I realized the way to have authenticity and connection was instead of fighting what is to feel what is to express what is to share what is right. And that, that was very powerful medicine. And, and I was thinking also not just feeling your feelings could be something that can help you if, if you're considering eating or doing something to numb out, but just 20 minutes of connection, right. Research shows that 20 minutes of connection can also completely quell whatever that thirst that you had was for food. Right. Actually, I love what another guest of yours, a great interview with Charles Eisenstein, where he talked about this is where's the craving coming from, right? If you're wanting to fill yourself up or maybe you're doing it with food, but what do you really want to fill yourself up with? Right. Maybe you're just lacking human connection with another person. And, you know, it's also, it's also powerful, you know, it's all part of the journey. It's amazing how food and looking at these patterns could be one way. I think that to, to recognize deeper needs and opportunities to grow as, as human beings. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of like having more, like the you know, what is the craving want, and like the idea of using human connection as a portal, because often you know that kind of connection is is you know having that kind of support is what 
we often need in those moments. We just feel disconnected, often from ourselves, but connecting with another often can feel really supportive. And one of the things I used to do um, was often, I don't do it as much, but I, I think when I felt really triggered around food or crave or cravings, I would try to call somebody else to help them. Mm. Maybe this is my uh, overriding, overriding my brain again, but like. <laughs> this is a powerful spiritual concept you're speaking to here. Actually, it's like the spiritual, spiritual hack. How do you, how do you understand it? Basically, if there's anything that you want in your life, go seek to give it to someone else and you'll have it as the idea, you know, I don't know about you, but one, one of the reasons that I love coaching is I could feel like total crap, right? I could be low energy or maybe upset about something that's going on in my life. When I get on a coaching call, I'm a hundred percent there for the other person. I have to stop thinking about myself. So I show up for them, their life, their dreams, their challenges. And it's the funniest thing that every, I've never ended a coaching session where I showed up fully for somebody else. And then I felt bad, right? It's whatever is going on in my life just sort of drops away when I get to show up for another person. Um, and I think that's kind of the concept. Like if you're, if you're feeling challenged by something, probably the best way that you can alleviate it is going and helping something, somebody else, instead of just focusing on yourself and reinforcing your challenges. Yeah. I love that. That's a, it's a, I'm glad, I'm glad you expanded on that. It's such a, such a fun thing to think about. And it's something that we have all access to because so many, so many people need help. We all need help. I mean, there's no one, you know, mm -hmm. we all need to help each other. And I feel like that's such a great little tool to just, you know, often one of the things I realize when I'm struggling is I'm too focused on myself, on my own drama, mm -hmm. on my mm -hmm. own, my own problems. And I think, I think, I mean, we've spoken about this many times where we're just like, whenever I can, whenever I start focusing on myself is when things start to feel, when I can start to feel, um, the cravings come up and it's like, I'm, whenever, whenever I start to think about other people, it starts to dissipate. And it's mm -hmm. a funny, funny thing to think about. Yeah. You know, it makes me think, actually, I think you really hit the nail on the head where it's so, so interesting that you're pairing weight loss with self-love because they seem like different things. Right. But I really think you're nailing it. And, and, uh, because I think the weight loss can really come through not just the things that you do, but who you become and how you live your life. And to me, self-love speaks to a lot more than, you know, it's, it's self-love is such an interesting topic. And one of the things we discuss is the difference between self-love or even self-acceptance and how that arises. But, you know, a lot of times we're getting really into that, but the binges come, they're emotional, right? It's usually not because you're hungry. It's not physiological. It's something that's happening emotionally to you. And it really feels like vulnerability, human connection, um, sharing yourself, being authentic, meeting yourself where you're at allowing your, allowing yourself to feel your feelings are really the portal, you know, and I really, I don't, I don't know that you can have healthy weight loss without the self-love, without the connection, mm. without the expression. Hell yeah, man. Wow. So many great nuggets. So many, so many things. I, I need to listen to this interview. I just need to hear a lot of the things that you're talking about, the feeling, the feelings, the, all, all, all the things are riffing on. They're such great lessons, not just for anybody listening, but for myself too. Like sometimes I will share, I'll share this stuff and, or I hear Mark say things and I'm like, I just got to listen to it over and over again. So, um, there's, there's so many little nuggets here that, that you shared. And I'm, I'm really um, grateful that we're finally having this conversation and for you, a, for being in my life. Um, and, um, 
having such a powerful impact on on who I am and the man that I keep um, um, the man that I'm becoming. And um, mm. it's it's a real it's a real honor. Um, and I'm so glad that I can bring this to the feeling full feeling full peeps. Mm. Dude, feelings very mutual. We really impact each other in such powerful ways. And uh, it's just great to rip with you. And it's amazing to see what you're doing here for people in their lives. Just a few of these conversations can really change. If you're listening, you know, I hope whether it's this conversation or another, these words are really impacting. You're taking them in and using them as, uh, as a fuel to get more of what you want out of life, to love more, to feel more, to enjoy more. That was awesome. If you want to contact Mark, you can hit him up in the show notes. And if this conversation resonated with you and emotional eating is something that you're struggling with, I want to share a quick story from one of my favorite episodes with Janine Roth, episode nine. Janine used to be a chronic dieter, yo-yo dieting, going on all the crazy fad diets and spent decades struggling with her weight. Let's hear it directly from her. But unfortunately, although... I lost weight many, many, many times, even during the time, and of course during the time when I was anorexic and limited myself to 150 calories a day while jogging four miles a day and got down to 82 pounds, I always looked in the mirror and saw fat. I always looked in the mirror and loathed myself because underneath all the stuff about food, was truly the self-hatred, the self-loathing, and the deep-seated conviction that I was not lovable, which was why my family was such a mess. I don't know about you, but even after losing a bunch of weight, when I looked in the mirror too, I felt just like Janine. No matter what was reality for me, it took my brain a long time or much longer to catch up to the way that I really, truly looked versus what I thought I looked in my mind. And Janine is just an incredible woman. She wrote a book. She's the author of a bunch of books, but one of the books that I love the most that she wrote is Woman, Food, and God. And she believes that compulsive eating and dieting go way beyond food, weight, and body image. She says, rather than pushing away crazy compulsive behaviors, think that our actions actually make perfect sense. And that once we transform our relationship with our food and body, so much more of life begins to open. If this sounds interesting and you want to listen to the interview, with Janine Roth, head over to episode nine. And before I say goodbye, if you found this episode valuable, please share it with two friends who you think can benefit from it. Until the next episode, take care, be well, and feel full.